0: Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to a Wednesday post-news update. I'm John Pollock, along with Wei Ting. We just can't go with these gaps, these non-Dynamite Wednesdays, without speaking to one another. So, luckily, the wrestling world dumped a ton of news on us, so we have lots to discuss uh,
0: beyond how you're doing, which is, first and foremost, my number one question for you. I'm doing really well. I mean, it's, uh, you know, the weather continues to be really nice. Oops, sorry about that. But the weather continues to be really nice in in the city, so I just came back from doing a bit of yard work, actually. And uh, I'm about to get my second shot later today. Oh,
1: that's right. That's today. Mm-hmm. Are you? How are you? Uh, preparing for the potential like tomorrow? Are you looking at tomorrow as a bit of a? Well, oh, it's not a write off for you. You're actually kind of busy tomorrow.
0: Yeah, I mean, thankfully, you know, like podcasting doesn't really require too much, like you know, physical activity. So even if I am somehow you know bedridden or something, I think I could still, I could pull the, the laptop over, and I'm sure there'll, there'll still be a show. But I don't expect, um, you know, to be too inconvenient doing what we do.
1: Yeah, I, it seems like it's a total coin flip of how people respond to it. My mom just got her second dose and was fine. Um, but other another friend of mine, I mean, he was, he was bedridden for a day. So for your sake, I hope that Thursday does not uh, include the debut of the first ever unwellness policy.
0: Ooh, wow. Uh, it would be a special edition, but I think we'll be all right. Thank you. All though. right. Well,
1: that's great. That's great news uh, on your behalf. AEW, we're going to start off with uh, the news because way the world is opening up. So that means wrestling are booking big venues for the rest of this year. Uh, we'll start with AEW because there were several announcements today. Tony Khan was on WFAN announcing that they're going to be going to uh, Queens, New York, September 22nd at Arthur Ashe Stadium. This is the main facility that they use for the US Open every year it's a stunning building one that has never housed professional wrestling and is you know it, the fact that this was announced on on a major New York radio station and the fact that they're going to New York it's the largest building that they've ever booked uh, it's it's very ambitious because on on the AEW schedule as of now the week prior is the debut at the Prudential Center in Newark that was going to house blood and guts And one week after, on September 29th, they're supposed to go to the Blue Cross Arena in Rochester. So, I mean, that's three weeks in a row, major buildings. And Arthur Ashe Stadium, at least for tennis, uh, it can hold over 23,000 people. So who knows what this will be scaled at. But it is, you know, this is going to be the most ambitious uh, three-week run we've ever seen from AEW when it comes to venue sizes.
0: It's incredibly exciting, I would say. You know, the Northeast is a very underserved market, especially, uh, obviously, over the past year plus now, you know, when you're talking about AEW. So um, demand is huge. And, you know, if they're going to try to capitalize on that pent-up demand, now would be the time.
1: Yeah, that's that's going to be the big question that I, I think it's it's hard to get, like, a strong sense of things where we're seeing all these tickets go on sale. It seems like SummerSlam, there is a huge demand for and then you've got your, you know, like, your your secondary level shows that, you know, are not going to be those immediate sellouts. But I think that the goal here, they're going to market this, I guess, as grand slam. Like, Tony Khan compared, like, this show will be akin to a Winter is Coming, Blood and Guts. I mean, it's it's going to have to be promoted as way above and beyond just your typical Dynamite. And I think those are the big shows that I'm curious to see what the demand is going to be, what this is scaled at, because... It's going into the New York market in a venue that WWE has never run. It's New York has always been a tough market. As a few years ago when WrestleMania was there, you kind of had like you had your giant buildings like a Madison Square Garden, which is super expensive to run, or a Barclays Center that WWE has you know made its unofficial home there. But then the drop off was so big, you'd go to like the Manhattan Center in New York, and this is sort of. I wouldn't say in between. It's not like any company can just run uh, Arthur Ashe Stadium. But it is, you know, to the point that was made in the article in the New York Daily News was, you know, this is going into a WWE stronghold, but going to a fresh venue that WWE has never been on. Like, it doesn't have the history of WWE that AEW is kind of putting its stamp on. And I think it's a – I really like the idea of this location. And I think it just took some – Interesting scouting to say why couldn't we run at a stadium that is associated with tennis as opposed to pro wrestling or indoor stick and ball sports?
0: You know, in terms of sight lines, in terms of, like, you know, just maybe the intimacy of, like, a, a place that can hold a lot of people but is sort of, like, squared off to feel intimate, like like you would have for a tennis stadium. I think I'm really excited to see how this will look for, for, for professional wrestling. So, um, that part's really exciting. And, you know, overall, it's, like, it, it it who you know, there are a lot of places. Like, ultimately, you just need a space to house a ring. And uh, they managed to find a place that is relatively fresh for that.
1: Yeah, so I mean, it's um, it'll be a very interesting set of shows to see how they do. I mean, Newark and and Queens, not exactly a far distance apart. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, trying to run a a 10,000 plus seat arena one week and then a, the next week uh, going to a 23,000 seat stadium. So it will be very interesting to see that uh, and, and what the demand is like. It seems like there's a lot of enthusiasm uh, for the show in the hours since it's been announced. Uh, that kind of trumpeted. New Japan Zone announcements this morning on the Kazuna Road Card, they have rescheduled the Tokyo Dome. It's now going to take place on July the 25th with Shingo Takagi versus Kota Ibushi in the main event for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. In addition to that, they're going to continue their Wrestle Grand Slam series with not one, but two dome shows at the MetLife Dome, which used to be the Seibu Dome that they last ran in 2014 for the G1 finals. That will be September 4th and 5th, a Saturday and Sunday. Uh, so buckle up for that weekend, way, because that is All Out weekend on top of it with two oh, stadium man. events from New Japan. So the wrestling world is, is back to normal, I think, is uh, what we are starting to see here. Um, again, I... I think a lot of these choices are going to be, listen, we have we have lost a lot of revenue and we are going to try and maximize it. But I mean, granted, we still have the summer. This will be after the Olympics. But uh, with Tokyo, I mean, we just don't know even what what capacity restrictions might be like come even July, much less uh, September. And that July 25th date, that's two days after the Olympics begin. (laughs) so they're running the tokyo dome right in the midst of the of the olympics which was kind of the whole theory of not running the g1 to collide with with the olympics
0: you know at this point i'm sure um this is perhaps the best of the the options that they have remaining you know they're they're dedicated to running these stadium shows um again you know we don't know what maybe social distancing parameters may be like by then but Um, I guess the theory is that the bigger place you you book, the more people you could fit in there, uh, no matter what the restrictions are. Um, So it'll be a test. You know, this will be a like this one coming up in the Tokyo Dome will be a big test for Shingo Takagi and Kota Ibushi to see, you know, what level of drawing power they have. Um, Do we have any idea how many people they're able to fit in there?
1: Uh, This for the Tokyo Dome? Mm -hmm. I mean, the current restrictions as last I checked was still like a cap of... 5,000 I think but I mean we're talking July so I mean things could be different by then but um, I I don't know of any updated restrictions if they could actually open it up further
0: right okay well 5,000 I mean you know you need if it is 5,000 you need 5,000 people who are willing to see Shingo Takagi versus Kota Ibushi and I, I would hope that they they would have enough for that
1: you would hope so. I mean it's 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 not like just New Japan running it, like they are not hitting the capacity for any of these Korokan shows. Granted it's like a different beast. Um, but it's also it's just the timing of it is interesting that they're gonna put it right smack dab in the middle of the Olympics. I guess their one their one hang up is they're they're not gonna do a dome show in August to mess up uh wedding plans or anything for you. So they're they're avoiding <laughs> stadium shows in August.
0: I, I guess so. You know, we also have to remember, I mean after this will likely be at the G one where they have probably, you know, a number of dates that are in flux at the moment right now, and probably some big, big places booked for those that they've yet to announce as well.
1: I would think that if they have the, the wherewithal to move forward. Yeah. I would think like the G one, you want to, you want to maximize a year. That's probably seen a lot of lost revenue money left on the table for them. I mean, they, I mean, this has, this has been a struggle for new Japan, 2021, uh, and then the other uh, promotion making an announcement on Wednesday was Ring of Honor, who are going to run the 2300 Arena in Philadelphia on Friday, August 20th. And Saturday, August 21st, this will be their Glory by Honor series of shows. Night one will be Roosh and uh, Flip Gordon for the ROH title. Night two, uh, this sounds excellent on paper, Roosh and Dragon Lee against Bandido and Ray Orus. And... The second night, interestingly enough, it will go head to head with SummerSlam, Uh, not in the same market, but for somebody at home, uh, these will be honor club shows uh, on top of it. So, I mean, the general gist is way that all of these companies are coming out of the pandemic and uh, to varying degrees of what restrictions are in those parts of the world. But it does certainly represent that these are companies that are moving forward and have ambitious plans for the rest of the year.
0: And there are so, only so many Sundays and so many Saturdays. You That's know, it. For, yeah. Uh,
1: looking to uh, NXT from Tuesday night. Um, first of all, I really enjoyed this episode of NXT. I thought it was... Um, they went less on match quantity. And instead, everyone got like significant time. We were limited to four matches. A really big angle at the start of the show. Um, the tornado tag was... I watched this in real time, and this was just non-stop action for the duration of when it went. It was just like watching a video game for 15 minutes. I thought it was—just the pace was incredible in this. Uh, The Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai versus Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter match greatly exceeded my expectations. Like, Casey Catanzaro— came into this, like, exceptionally green, but an unbelievable athlete. That silly string she did was <laughs> more impressive than the original. It was very cool. And I just thought she really stood out in the match. and That one exceeded expectations. Trey Baxter, the former Blake Christian, debuted uh, losing to Kushida. That was a really tremendous 10-minute cruiserweight match. And then the only other match was a Brizongo over Eichner and Marcel Bartel, but uh, what were your thoughts on the show and the reintroduction of Samoa Joe?
0: Well, I echo a lot of your sentiments about the matches that stood out. certainly the main event, um you know like delivered up upon your NXT expected main event quality, and I think it's it's a it's relatively novel to me to like feature something as I would say by today's standards, mundane as a tornado tag match as sort of like a featured you know stipulation but i thought it they did a, such a great job with the match that the next time that they advertise a tornado tag if it's involving the right talent i'd be really looking forward to it because it does offer something that is quite different from your standard fair tag team style of match so that was at, fantastic. at worst
1: at worst that was number that would have been the number two match of the show at takeover
0: perhaps yeah uh, i also completely agreed with you that you know casey Ken- Kenzaro and. and uh, uh, um, uh, sorry, Caden um, Carter. Caden Carter. Like, you know, they're a team that are, aren't really booked to be very strong. They are what I would consider to be, you know, more fitting of the developmental aspect of NXT right now. Um, but as far as that goes, they've been greatly ex- exceeding my expectations. I think you af- absolutely see that continued comfort and chemistry between the two developing, and they really stood out to me. So I think they're really like starting to to be prone for like a big story and and actually, you know, a, a push coming out uh Samoa Joe you know it it seemed to just kind of confirm a lot of the reports that are out there he is coming back in here uh not as the sole GM but as the assistant GM uh well basically the muscle to William Regal and
1: there was no way there was no way they could have Joe come back and replace Regal after the man was in tears in the ring that was an unbelievable promo from William Regal it was mm -hmm. fantastic um And then, yeah, when Joe came out, I was like, this guy will be the biggest heel in the world if he just accepts replacing William Regal. So, um, I mean, it was most interesting, the fact that they laid out, you can't put your hands on any participant unless provoked. And we certainly got physicality with Joe on this show and multiple teases as well of stuff down the road. So I don't think you can throw out the idea that they eventually do a match with Joe. The fact he laid hands on someone, I think would lead you to that direction, but not something they'd be looking to do immediately.
0: Well with Joe, I mean, like physicality came in the form of a Kikina clutch. And I mean, you know, like we see with Taz, you know, he could slap on that Taz mission to anybody and still not necessarily have to be be you know take a bump. And that seems to be perhaps like the fact that they are doing the face to faces, like it's making everybody want to see Karen Cross versus Samoa Joe or like Samoa Joe versus Adam Cole. Or Pete Dunne.
1: I mean, they did three teases on the show with Joe.
0: And I have to imagine like they're not stupid to think that, okay, like we can't just throw this out there and, and not follow up on it. Nonetheless, um, there are no promises that he is going to get in the ring right now. I imagine it's still probably a case of them trying to wait and see to see if you know this guy can be cleared some at some time in the future. In the meantime, though, I think it's it's a pretty good role, pretty pretty good way of like keeping Samojo within their system, uh in a speaking role that makes him look menacing. He's able to come out there, slap on the clutch when he needs to. And inevitably, if he does get cleared, choking out Regal would be quite the way of uh, you know, turning Going bad guy again,
1: yeah. So um that was the, kind of like the big angle on the show, and then they teed up for next week: Kushida versus Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, so that that should be sensational. And the Diamond Mine coming back. Oh, oh yeah, the other angle on the show was L.A. Knight turning on Ted DiBiase, and then Cameron Grimes making the babyface save. I I I mean the the execution was fine. But I I really thought that there was some legs here to DiBiase, like, at least pair these two together for some time before you do that. Because DiBiase, either you're writing him off or him as the babyface manager for Cameron Grimes, that's got an extremely short shelf life. I I thought you could have got something out of DiBiase and, like, his protege, L.A. Knight. And then when you're ready, you could do this breakup angle. I just thought they they sacrificed a lot of uh, the investment here of where you could have gotten to with these two.
0: I imagine they see the pieces on the board and they think that DiBiase is going to be a babyface no matter what. He's a legend, and LA Knight somebody they want to strictly make a heel. So I and I and beyond that, I think they probably want to keep Cameron Grimes hot. You know, he is the project here. Despite, I mean, LA Knight is too to an extent, but I think the bigger project here, the main focus, is Cameron Grimes. Who uh, I thought they did a great job of. He did a great job of, you know, basically. Um, Coming out of Takeover, looking like the, the guy with the who gained the most. Um, he seems like one of the hottest, I would say, new acts in NXT right now. And um I think, you know, to really kind of continue to keep him warm, they have to go right back to this rematch. And I guess pairing him with DB as a babyface, um, that's probably their way of, you know, their best way of doing it.
1: Who left their phone at one percent that needed to charge throughout the show? Did you see these videos? No. They had these little vignettes where it was showing a battery charging. It started at 1%, and then later they had another one where the battery was up to 11%. So something is charging. But we never got a payoff to this.
0: Oh, this must have got cut out from um, the source that I watched the show on. Oh, it was unplugged, I guess. Uh,
1: well, that, that was NXT. I thought this was like a really good episode. And they're building up to the Great American Bash that will feature Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly... In an unsanctioned match, is that what they labeled it?
0: Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: just kind of what we just did, right? At stand and deliver.
0: I guess so. I mean, I'll it's another our latest for no chapter GQ. of
1: yeah. This is this is the
0: final final chapter. Uh, well, how about another? Well, would you rather another ladder match? In no,
1: I'm d- I'm done with ladder matches for about three years. I could go without one, so yeah. I'm glad we're not doing a ladder match.
0: In other case, it's like you know, you put those two names together. No matter, like even if it's a You know, reverse battle royal. I'll probably watch it. Um, Yeah, I I, I mean, I like NXT. It's always like at the end of it, you know, you zip through it in about an hour and a half. And and I always feel like, hey, that was a good show. I, you know, I have to say, like, there's really nothing, though, that feels that hot right now in terms of like, you know, we kind of spoke about this, the freshness of, of the product that makes me feel like it's I have to go and watch it. But, you know, whenever I I commit myself to doing it, I always come out of it, you know, pretty satisfied. Um, You know, like if it was Samojo coming back in wrestling, that would be a very different story. But I think NXT kind of needs that big name right now, you know, to really spark things.
1: Well, that's one thing with that opening angle is that one complaint and it's, you know, it's a similar one that people have on SmackDown is that you have this big heel champion and doesn't have like cross does not have the baby face challenger and you were certainly left at the end of that segment of wanting Samoa Joe to be that baby face challenger at Cross's level. Uh, now with Roman Reigns, um, John Cena did an interview with Chris Van Vliet promoting F nine and said, matter of factly, he is coming back to WWE, but not going beyond that. Uh, so that is the rumored match for SummerSlam. And it seems to be that would, that would be sufficient for a level of SummerSlam because you don't have any of these giant baby faces on SmackDown or even Raw for for that matter to feed to Roman Reigns. So I think uh, Cena is about as great an option as you have uh, after he's been gone for a year and a half.
0: Outside of the Rock coming back, I mean that it's probably the biggest match you could put on with people that are associated with the company. So it's a big way of um, coming back from a pandemic.
1: I'm very curious to see. Um, as the uh, John Cena is doing all of this uh, uh, promotion for F9, like, how much of the China controversy comes up in, in all of this? Because I, I could see, like, that being, like, if you're, if you're the film uh, distributor and you're putting John Cena out there uh, for, for media, like, that is, like, I'm amazed that, like, that was an enormous, enormous story. Like, there, there are people still talking about it. Like, it was, it was pretty newsworthy.
0: Justice for Han feels like it's a lifetime ago and I don't think anybody's even curious about what what that's going to turn out to be like right now. Um, The biggest talk coming out of F9 at the moment seems to be John Cena and the whole Taiwan comment. So I would have to imagine if he continues to do media, it'll come up somewhere.
1: Raw on Monday night. This came from uh, Brandon Thurston at Russell Nomics. Did a million seven hundred and forty-two thousand viewers. Point four nine in the demo in Canada. They were up this week, doing one hundred ninety-six thousand five hundred viewers, and that was going against the Montreal Canadiens and Las Vegas Golden Knights that did two point three million viewers in Canada. Uh, both in the U.S. and Canada, it was Raw's highest numbers since May seventeenth, so almost a month. Uh, so, get, getting a spike this week and. Do you attribute that to anything specific way? Because, you know, you were coming off of a dreadfully received closing angle on Raw last week. However, the third hour held up very well last week. And this week we saw a bump for Raw. And I can't say that it was uh, solely because of that angle, but it was very significant. There was not a turnoff after last week's angle. That we can certainly say
0: you know i have no i have no explanation for people who choose to come back and to watch more of the show after that angle but um what what do we know in terms of competition that this show was up, up against it, it
1: it was going against the nba so there was an nba playoff game it wasn't like a competition free night uh, in canada i'm i'm almost more impressed with the canadian number because it wasn't just the nba but it was the montreal canadians game and there was a blue jays red sox game going on so it was like That, to me, is uh is as impressive uh, a number as th- the U.S. one, given that the NHL is going to be so much more significant in Canada uh, than the U.S. on top of other sports competition. Uh, one uh, match recommendation I want to make is from today's New Japan card. Since they announced this gauntlet series with Yota Tsuji and Yuya Uemura, I looked at one lineup that I was very excited for, and it was today's show. And the opener was Hiroshi Tanahashi and Yuya Uemura, Going almost 14 minutes. This might have been... I think this was my favorite opening match of the year. This was among my favorite matches period of the year. I'm not going to say match of the year. It wasn't to that level. Yuya Yui Mura is an unbelievable talent. This guy is 26. We rave about this guy and his... There is no one I enjoy more getting locked in a submission and fighting for his life to get to that rope. And Tanahashi was just this you're putting Yuya, Yui or Mura with all this incredible foundation that he has built and all these tools that are being refined constantly and you put him in there with a wrestling genius like Tanahashi who focused on the knee he wore it down used the dragon screw it was all a prelude to finally getting the cloverleaf the second cloverleaf of the match and there is a spot at the end of this Yui Mura has fought his heart out and he has to come to the realization that I've been checkmated by the ace and he just taps with such despair on his face at what he needs to do. It's a brilliant match. It is. I love, I love this match.
0: Well, that's a wonderful retelling and, and description of it. Um, you know, it, it's an intriguing match because it to me is like, you know, a, 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 maybe arguably one of the best of the young lines, if not the best of the current class of, of young lines, along with to me, like, the king of the of the young lines and Hiroshi Tanahashi, somebody who has really mastered and taken to you know the fullest extent that style, uh, you know they teach in that dojo. So that sounds like a really interesting match. Thanks for recommending it.
1: And we'll end on this. A uh, congratulations to Renee Paquette, uh, her and John Moxley welcoming their uh, their daughter into the world. And I also want to uh, send out best wishes uh, to Don West uh, because it was revealed he's battling brain lymphoma, and that's just man, what a. What a sad story um, that is. Obviously, we want to send our best. I mean, just such a beloved figure to anyone that that followed the first 10 years of TNA Wrestling. I mean, he was someone that debuted. He was from a completely different world and came in and he was very rough around the edges. But his excitement level and enthusiasm won everybody over in, in, in time. And he just became such a staple of the product. He was a phenomenal pitch man for the upcoming pay-per-views every week on Wednesdays for shop TNA. I mean, he became a valuable asset to that company. And I just think that anyone that was uh, a follower of the TNA product, um, they certainly have a soft spot for Don West. And I'm sure everyone is uh, rooting for him. That was just really unfortunate news to read about on Tuesday.
0: Completely, completely, completely. Yeah. Um. It. You know, It's. Uh, it's especially you know at, at this age it's like it's never happy to hear about something like that but um for somebody who you know seems just so full of life i mean it's going to be a really tough battle for him coming up but uh the entire wrestling community i'm sure uh wishes him the best so we are going to sign off thank you very
1: much for checking out this post news update uh we are going to be back later on this week Lots of waiting coming up on Thursday with The Wellness Policy, a special start time, 1 p.m. Eastern for all members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. And then it is time for MCU Later with Wei Ting and W.H. Park.
0: W.H. Park, the friendliest man in the bookstore himself. Uh, I look forward to talk, talking about episode two of Loki. Are you going to be checking it out, John, today?
1: Wait, I am, I am looking forward to episode two. It, I, I watched episode one. And then I listened to your review and I also listened to our friends, the true North nerds podcast with Brent Chittenden and company. So I am, and everyone seems to have very high marks for the beginning of Loki. And my one thing I really enjoyed about the first Loki is that I I said, when we did our review, I really liked that first Thor movie. And you do have like this parallel of these two powerful figures that are put out of their comfort zone in this world where their powers are somewhat depleted they've got to adjust to the environment around them and you have you know the hero in thor and the uh the less heroic uh loki so i kind of like mm-hmm. that connection
0: you know you you really are uh, i think vying for that co-hosting spot i think hosting spot i think it should be you and wh oh, I- doing a future mcu later
1: I don't know if I could, uh, I could not keep up with you two. There, there's not a chance.
0: But I will be listening uh, for the episode two review. So the the,
1: the episodes drop overnight, uh, Wednesday, Thursday morning, correct?
0: Uh, The episode's out right now, actually. So Wednesday morning. Oh, oh, it's yeah. out already. Okay, well, it's I'm, Tuesday I'm not, obviously not that excited because uh, I was
1: not aware of that fact.
0: Yeah, Wednesdays are kind of like a bit, you know, I have to get a bit used to it because I'm so used to the, the Thursday night, Friday morning drops. But these are Wednesday mornings now. Have you watched it yet? No, not yet. All right. Well look I'll forward be, to I'll, that. I'll be taking in that second shot and uh, enjoy my day on the couch.
1: Okay, we'll look forward to that. And then Friday night, Way and I are back at midnight eastern with Rewind a Down, reviewing SmackDown, which they just dropped. The big match announcement. Get ready. Angela Dawkins versus Otis on Friday night, followed by Friday night dynamite. So we will have the four-hour block and then we will review both shows. And take your calls. So looking forward to that. All cafe members will have live access for that. And then we have the Hell in a Cell post show Sunday night for our Double Double Ice Cap and Espresso patrons. Did I miss anything?
0: Hey, subscribe to our YouTube channel. YouTube.com slash Uh Always fun in the comment section. Leave a thought below. Leave a like. Subscribe. And be nice.
1: <laughs> be nice. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>